0: For those who don't know me, my name is Shannon Ford. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am honored and privileged uh, to be with you today to bring God's Word. Uh, our pastor got married yesterday in a beautiful, in a, uh, a beautiful ceremony. I, I didn't see it because only family got to see it, but if you are Facebook savvy, I understand there are some pictures on Facebook uh, of, their, of their ceremony, so... You can check that out. But we're just so happy for him and and Susan. You know, just too long ago, we were grieving for him. And now we can celebrate with him. uh, And God's just been faithful to him. So be a prayer for him as he starts this new life with Susan. And uh, just pray that God will bless them. And again, thank you so much for BBS. It's a major undertaking. It really is. And I look around, I see so many people like myself who worked. And it was It was tiring. And some of those children, bless their hearts, they just got on our nerves. But you know what? (laughs) God moved and God worked. And 17 kids came to know Jesus Christ. And that's just, that's what it's all about. And we praise God, uh, praise God for that. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for those who spent uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights with us, uh, with these children, showing them the love of Jesus Christ this morning i want to talk about the touch of jesus and uh let me start off with just a quick story here charlie boswell charlie boswell received an injury in world war ii while he was rescuing his friend from a tank that was under fire and the the injury that charlie received was he lost his sight total blindness He was a great athlete before he deployed, and and now he's back home, and uh, just a testimony to his talent and his determination. He decided he would try a brand new sport. Now, he's blind. He would try a brand new sport when he returned back to the States, and that sport was golf. Now, if some of you watched me play golf, you may think that I am blind, but he was totally blind when he played golf. Uh, golf and got to be very well very good at it his determination uh, and deep love for the game helped him to become the national blind uh, golf champion for 13 years in a row so accomplished golfer blind anyway uh one of his heroes while he was playing was Ben Hogan and he's an old-timer but he was the Tiger Woods of his day he was really really good and charlie got a chance to meet ben hogan and that was one of the highlights of his life and as he was talking to the ben hogan he said you know what mr hogan if i had one wish in this world that wish would be i wish i could play a round of golf with you and of course ben hogan being the gentleman that he was he said that that would be that would be my honor to be a part of, of around of golf with you i would love to do that considering what you have done and your accomplishments and your skills i would really like to play with you and then charlie responded mr hogan would you like to play around the golf for some money and ben hogan stepped back and this guy's blind and ben hogan's probably the greatest golfer in the world at the time so Ben Hogan replied, uh, so I, I can't play you from, for money. Uh, that wouldn't be fair. I mean, really, uh, let's just go play and have fun. Well, Charlie didn't stop. Come on, Mr. Hogan. How about $1,000 a hole? Again, Ben Hogan said, I, I can't take advantage of you by playing you $1,000 for a hole and you're blind. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Well, Charlie responded, Mr. Hogan, are you just scared to play me for money? Well, Ben Hogan, by this time, hadn't had enough and the competitive juices were flowing. So Ben Ben Hogan replied, Mr. Boswell, I'll play you $1,000 a hole. You name the place and the time and I'll be there. And Charlie said, we'll play at my home course at 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) Took y'all a while to get that. (laughs) You know, as I think about that story, I don't know how much of it's true. It could all be true. It may not be. It's just what I found, and I thought it was a great story. But as I think about that golf story, I'm, I'm reminded of this world that we live in. You know, we got people playing life like they're blind. Don't know where they're going. Don't know what they're doing. Makes no sense whatsoever. And I want to talk to you this morning about spiritual blindness. And, you know, we, we're living in some crazy times. And I think nobody would disagree with me on that. We are living in some unbelievable times, troubling times, dark times. With what I see going on in this country and what I see going on in this world and this spiritual blindness that I want to talk about today. It's just it's just spreading throughout our nation and world at an alarming high rate, fast rate. People including church attenders are just blind to the spiritual realities and the and the spiritual truths of the Christian faith. Franklin Graham said recently in his Decision magazine he said because of America's continual moral decay An ever-spreading rejection of God along with an unrelenting assault on Christians and their beliefs, this nation is in deep trouble and on the verge of total moral and spiritual collapse unless God intervenes. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. This country This country is in desperate need of Jesus Christ This country is in desperate need Of a touch from Jesus Christ To open up the eyes of our hearts So that we can see and understand spiritual truths I love what J. Oswald Sanders said And I don't know if I got this right right, There we go It says eyes that look are common Eyes that see are rare what a picture of this country today. We got a lot of eyes looking at the wrong place, looking at the wrong things, living their lives on the lies that they see. We need people today who can see like Jesus sees, who can see people for what they really are. And as I talk about spiritual blindness, just a simple definition, it is the inability to understand and believe spiritual truth. And that's where we are in this world today. We have people that refuse, first they don't understand, and then they refuse to believe spiritual truth. And as Franklin Graham says, they begin this unrelenting assault on Christians and their beliefs. We are definitely living in troubled times. Spiritual blindness is spreading across this world. And to talk about spiritual blindness, let me give you, first of all, some causes. And I could spend a lot of time on these, but but I'm not because I want to talk about the main passage, which is in Mark 8. But just five real quick, what I feel like are are the reasons that people are spiritually blind today. They cannot understand or they refuse to understand spiritual truths. And the first one is no surprise is Satan. Satan is alive and well and working throughout this world. He is a liar, he is a deceiver, and he has blinded the minds of people so they cannot and will not understand spiritual things. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, in their case, the God, little g, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from what? From seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is is the image of God so people are blind because Satan causes them to blind and keeps them blind but not only is Satan a cause for spiritual blindness pride that's our pride pride is that attitude that that spirit of selfishness that puts me before we I love what the Bible says here it says in his pride the wicked does not seek him in all his thoughts. What? There is no room for God. You know, the old saying, we all had this ego in us. You know what ego stands for? Edging God out. And that's what these people who are blind have done. They've edged God out. There's no room for God in their minds. There is no room for God in their thoughts. So pride is one of the reasons why people are spiritually blind. They just get to the point where, you know what? I don't need God. I'm too smart for God. I don't need him. God, look at all these things I've accomplished. I don't need him. There's also habitual sin that causes spiritual blindness. I'm not talking about the sin that we do when we... Um, say something or do something we shouldn't have done and, and immediately if you're a follower of Christ you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit I'm not, I'm not talking about that I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin where you feel no conviction whatsoever I'm talking about the person that may come, that may come to church on Sunday but live completely different a sinful lifestyle throughout the week the Bible says that for the mind is set for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can not. Another reason for spiritual blindness that's rampant in our world today is preoccupation with worldly matters. We have too many people who are just in love with the ways of this world and the things of this world. All, all they want to do is just have all these things, nice things do all these wonderful things, trips their lives were so busy they have no time for the things of God the Bible says no one no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one or love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money So people are spiritually blind. Why? Because their eyes are on the world. Their hearts is all about the world and not God. And then last as we look at these five quick reasons for spiritual blindness is what I call spiritual ignorance. I'm talking about a complete lack of knowledge about God. And if you don't think that's description of America just talk to some people and you'll find out they are biblically illiterate don't understand anything and the Bible says Ephesians they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart so spiritual blindness is everywhere and giving you reasons on why that is the case well the reason i want to talk about spiritual blindness because today we're going to look at a miracle in mark chapter 8 a miracle that god performs where he heals a man who is physically blind and i hope that we can make those comparisons to physically blindness and spiritual blindness and realize that the only way a person can see truth when he's spiritually blind, or the only way a person can see with his eyes when he's physically blind is to be touched by Jesus. That's the only hope that we have. And so, this disciple, you'll th- I mean, this passage in Mark 8, if you'll turn there, and I have it in your notes, uh, Mark eight twenty-two through 26. Let me give you a little context, real quick. I don't have time to really um, talk much about this, but when you read this story of Jesus, healing a blind man you will find and see that it is perhaps the most bizarre and strangest miracle that Jesus ever performed and we're going to talk about that when we look at it here in a second it's only found in Mark chapter 8 and when you read this understand he has just finished a conversation with his disciples and so now he's providing them an object lesson through this miracle To help the disciples, which I sometimes call the duh disciples because they just don't get it. They don't see Jesus for who he really is. They don't have a total understanding of who Jesus is. And so what he does, he performs this miracle as an object lesson for his disciples. But there are some incredible spiritual truths in this miracle that we can apply to our lives. So follow along as I read there, Mark chapter 8. Verse 22 through 26. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And he being Jesus sent him home to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So let's go back and talk about this strange, bizarre miracle. The only time in the Bible where Jesus spits on someone's face. Now, when I was growing up, you spit on someone's face, you better expect a fight. That's what was going to happen. You know, just a very strange and bizarre miracle. Way that Jesus used to heal this man But let's talk a little bit about that And I want to look at, first of all At the first part of this passage And I want to talk about this personal touch Of Jesus Christ This touch of encouragement That he gives This man is blind We see that So Jesus takes this blind man By the hand And leads him out Of the village Now you may be saying, why? Why wouldn't he just heal the guy on the spot? Well, I don't have time to read this, but you may want to write in your uh, margins there, uh, Matthew 11, 20 and 21. What has happened is God has pronounced judgment on this city, Bethsaida, because they, they refuse to believe him. They refuse to believe his miracles. They're callous, hard hearts. God said, no longer will I do anything in this city. And so, true to form, he takes the man out of the city to minister to him. But what I want you to see is and what I see when I read this passage is I see a, a compassionate Savior. We, we don't know where Jesus was going. We know that he had been talking with his disciples. Don't know if he had something else uh, for the day. But this, these friends bring this blind man to Jesus and he stops what he's doing. And he sees this man physically blind. And he has compassion on him. The Bible says that he takes him by the hand and leads him. I can just see Jesus, you know, hand on, on the shoulder, got the man by the hand, walking with him step by step, leading him out of the city. Because you've got to realize back then, you don't have these uh, uh, environments that are user-friendly to people who are blind or handicapped. I mean, you pretty much need someone to walk you around. You don't know rocks and everything else. And so I just see this picture of Jesus walking and leading this man step by step out of the city. As I think about that, I ask myself a question. Shannon, are you willing to be led by Jesus anywhere he takes you? Let me ask you that question. Are you willing to let Jesus take you anywhere he wants to take you? I'm not talking about... Like to Africa. I'm talking about across your street to that neighbor who doesn't know Christ. Are you willing to let Jesus lead you anywhere he wants you to go? Or or do you say, I'll, lead, I'll let you lead Jesus to a certain point and then we're going to stop. Because now, now he's starting to get out of my comfort zone. And I see that all the time. I see people who will talk about church, but they won't talk about Jesus. Are you willing to let Jesus lead your life and lead you wherever he wants to take you? This man had no choice. He's blind. He doesn't know what Jesus is doing. Jesus in his compassion, with a compassionate heart, puts his hands around him, takes him by the hand and leads him. And I also see a very caring savior. Again, we we don't know what Jesus had on his agenda that day. But you know what? What? A person in need came to him and he stopped everything. He stopped everything he was doing and put all of his focus on this blind man. He was patient with him. He took him personally out to minister to him. You need to understand this. Jesus is never, ever too busy for you. I wish we could say this thing was true about us, but it's not. Oftentimes, we're very busy. We're too busy for Jesus. We don't have time to go to church. We don't have time to read God's Word. We don't have time to do these things that God wants us to do because we're busy. Jesus, now we're talking about the one who holds the universe together. He is never, ever too busy for you. He's a compassionate, caring Savior. And so what we see is this unbelievable Touch of encouragement that Jesus offers this man. But, but before I move on, I, let, me, let me also t- touch on one other thing. Don't forget that this man came to Jesus through his friends. His friends brought him to Jesus. And the Bible, go back to the first verse, the Bible says they begged Jesus to touch him. Begged. Let me ask you a question. Who are you bringing to Jesus? You know, we talked every night to our VBS kids. And we said, hey, come back tomorrow night and bring a friend. And guess what? They did. Now I'm going to ask you, mom and dad and grandparents, what friends are you bringing to church? You got lost neighbors. You got lost coworkers. You got lost friends. Who are you bringing to Jesus. And not only who are you bringing Jesus, let me ask you another question. Who are you begging and pleading to God for him to touch somebody? That loved one that you have, that spouse or that parent or that child or that friend who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Are you begging and pleading that he will touch him or her? And if you're not, shame on you. You can't tell me that every person you know is saved. just can't buy that there are people that you love and care for who do not know jesus christ and if they die today they'll spend eternity in hell the only chance for them is for jesus christ to touch and change their lives so i encourage you beg plead get on your hands and knees cry out to god that he will touch him or he will touch her so just an incredible picture of jesus stopping what he's doing Focusing on the blind man, compassionately and in a caring way, leading him out so he can minister to him. And then we get to what I call the peculiar touch of encouragement. This is the strange part of the miracle. And one of the things that makes this miracle um, so strange and bizarre is the only miracle not only the only miracle that Jesus spits in someone's face it's the only miracle that Jesus heals someone in stages it's also the only miracle that Jesus asked the person are you healed so it's a very different miracle but again understand he's got his disciples he's providing an object lesson and we'll see uh, that more clearly as we look at it but it's 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 just a strange and bizarre way that Jesus heals this man. And as I think about that, I'm reminded, you know what? You can't put Jesus in a box. He's not going to work in every situation like you think he ought to work. He's God and he can do what he wants to do. And sometimes he doesn't work the way we think he should work. He doesn't ask for your advice and says, what should I do? He's God in flesh and he can do what he wants to do and and as I think about that I, I just think about you know what this room is full of people many of you are followers of Christ and many of you have an incredible powerful sweet testimony of how Jesus Christ saved you and changed you but the truth is there's a lot of different ways that Christ saved people in this room Christ didn't use the same method every time He changed And so you see this with this man This this man uh, blind And Christ could have easily spoke the word Christ could have just thought about Healing him but he didn't He healed him in this very Very strange way He spit on the blind man's Eyes and he put his hands on His eyes two Separate times Now I don't know why Jesus Did that again He's trying to show these disciples. Because as we read the passage, we see that when Jesus touches him the first time, the man has some sight. Very blurry, very cloudy, and he sees people that look like trees walking. So we obviously understand this man has not always been blind. He knows what trees are. But he can't see clearly at all. I mean, to say a people, look like, they look like trees walking around, that shows you just how, and, how cloudy and blurry his vision was. And again, he's trying to show his disciples. That, that's you guys. You, you think you know me, but you don't. You have a very cloudy and blurry vision of who I am. Because just recently in the passage before, they're complaining about, hey, where are we going to get food to eat? Jesus just fed 4,000 with loaves and fishes, and now... They're by themselves, they have no food, and they're wondering, where where are we going to get food from? I mean, come on, guys. They just don't get it. So, as we look at this progression that Jesus used to heal this man, I I will also look at the progression of the man Uh, that this miracle is performed on and i want you to first see that this man was blind he was confined with no sight he could not see he was totally dependent on other people leading him and taking him to where he needed to go he was imprisoned because he could not see and wow as i thought about that wow what a picture of a lost person that person who does not know Jesus Christ, you know what? They're confined. They are imprisoned by their sin. And the only hope for them, the only hope for them is for Jesus Christ to touch them. Confined with no sight, confined with sin, you're totally helpless and hopeless unless Jesus touches you. But as Jesus puts his hand on this man's eyes for the spits and puts his hands on his eyes for the first time, we see that he moves from confined with no sight to cloudy with little sight. He's beginning to, to kind of see things, shapes, colors, beginning to see um, for the first time. And then, you know, as I think about that, I, I can relate to this guy. I can totally relate to this guy. Now, I'm not, I, I had not been diagnosed or or told by by a doctor that you're you're blind but I'm pretty close I'm pretty close if I take these glasses off it's it's bad and the first time you know growing up you think everybody sees the way you see you know and um, my dad and mom got to realize eh, I couldn't even read signs on the road you know we'd go squirrel hunting daddy would point out the squirrels I couldn't even see them I had had no idea I I couldn't see anything and they began to realize eh, let's get him checked out and sure enough, I was blind. I mean, 2,400 vision. And when the first time I put on a pair of glasses in the sixth grade, it was, wow. People can see like this. And you see those YouTube stories where a person is blind and they're able to do some sort of surgery. And all of a sudden they see for the first time. This guy's been blind. We don't know for how long but he's blind and Christ has touched him and now his sight is becoming clear clear and clear from no sight to to little sight he's seeing no lights and shapes but still cloudy and as I thought about that wow what a picture of a new believer you know when we come to Christ we don't immediately know everything there is about God But as we come to Christ and we begin to spend time in his word and we begin to spend time in prayer, God begins to reveal more things to you until you move from cloudy with little sight to clear with much insight. And that's where this man ended up in this miracle. Now, listen to me carefully. The Lord did on his second touch what he could have done on his first touch. Don't walk away thinking that Christ didn't have enough power to heal this man. That's why he had to touch him twice, please. We're talking about the God who holds the universe together, who spoke and worlds existed. He's got the power, but again, he's trying to provide a lesson for his disciples that you think you have an understanding of me, but you don't. You, and so he touches this man the second time, and he begins to see everything crystal clear. Can you imagine? I don't know, let's say he's been blind most of his life. All of a sudden, boom, you can see everything clear as can be. And as I think about that, wow, what, a, what an incredible testimony of the power of God, which, talk, which leads me to my next point, a powerful touch of enablement. See, I love what this passage says. Jesus sent him home. You know what? He didn't say go back to your friends so they can take you home. He said, no, you go home. You go home. Because you can see. You've been touched by Jesus and you can see. And so this man who's been confined with no sight, constant dependence on people, now can freely walk around and go where he wants to go. And for those who are in Christ. What a picture of us. We are free because of what Christ has did for us. And I want you to see, he tells this man to go home. We are commissioned to go. And the first place that ministry ought to start is in your home. And can you imagine the scene? This man, blind, who left with friends, now comes home Walking with no help whatsoever and going to his house to tell his family, look and see what Christ has done for me. I was blind, but now I see. Can you imagine the testimony they had, the celebration they had? Which leads me to my next point. Not only are we commissioned to go, we are commissioned to tell. And I can only imagine the conversation that went on when he came to his house. What, what happened? How, how did you get your sight back? And the man said, I was touched by Jesus and my life was forever changed. And see, that's what Jesus Christ is all about. He is in the life changing business, that's what he does. And oh, if you would just, those who are not in Christ, if you would just let Jesus Christ touch you, he can change your life forever. And as I was preparing this message, I began to think about that phrase, the life-changing touch of Jesus. And I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, my parents listened to Christian music back in the early 70s. I mean, this is like, not like it is today on, where there's radio stations, but they listened to the Bill Gaither trio and they had all the albums. And y'all remember the old con you know the old stereo what do you call them, consoles or whatever uh, where you'd stack a whole thing of albums and they'd play and next one would drop and then next one would drop. And then when all of them dropped, you pull them up and flip them over and do the same thing. And I, that pretty much was what I heard going on in my house all the time. But I remember a lot of those songs. And the one I do remember is he touched me. And if I had a good enough voice and was brave enough, I'd sing it, but I'm not. So let me just share with you. Really, the second verse is one that means a lot to me. In this song, he touched me. Since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed me and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me, and he made me whole. I stand before you today saying this boy right here was touched in 1990, and my life has never been the same. Jesus Christ is in the life-changing business. He wants to change your life. And when Jesus touches you, there are blessings from that touch. And I just want to share just on a couple of those real quick. When Jesus Christ touches you, understand he is touching you with the invaluable grace of God. As many of us learn, what is grace? Christ riches, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's when God gives you what you don't deserve. What you deserve what i deserve is death and hell but because of god's grace his amazing grace he loved us enough to die for us to give us life eternity if we'll just believe him that's what the bible says for by grace for by grace you have been saved through your faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god and so when jesus touches you You begin to experience that incredible, that invaluable grace of God that saves you. But not only do you experience that, you also begin to experience the indwelling spirit of God. The Holy Spirit takes residence in you. When you are saved, the Bible says you are sealed and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now lives in your body as a temple. And what's so amazing about that is by having the Holy Spirit in us, look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the capital S spirit who is from God. That what? That we might understand the things freely given us by God. And I tell people all the time, this is the only book, the only book in the world that no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, every time you open it up, for those who are in Christ, the author is present to help you understand it. Is that not amazing? The Holy Spirit illuminates your mind and illuminates your words so that you can understand the words of Christ. It's God's manual for us, and he is there to personally Teach us that. God forgive us for how many times we just toss this Bible to the side. How little we take of our busy schedule to spend time reading God's word. Again, we don't have time for God. We're too busy. He's not too busy for you. And when you give your life to Christ, when you've been touched by Jesus, you, you receive that Holy Spirit that indwells your body and allows you, as the Bible says there, to understand the things freely given us by God. But not only do you have that uh, invaluable grace, that indwelling spirit, you also have the imparted righteousness of God. And I stand amazed still to this day of this truth. The Bible says that for our sake, Our sake, my sake, your sake, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to what? To be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus loves us, God loves us so much, but he had to do something about our sin. And that's what he did on Calvary. He poured out our sin and his wrath on Jesus Christ, the innocent one who knew no sin and became sin for us and died on the cross, buried and raised again. And the Bible says so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So for those of you out there sitting in those chairs for you that are in Christ the Bible says you are righteous now listen I know what's inside of me you know what's inside of you but let me tell you something because of what Christ did on the cross his blood now covers you the perfect the precious blood of Jesus covers you and you are as righteous right now as you'll ever be not because of what you have done because of what he did I don't know about you that makes, makes me want to shout I know what's inside of me. But Christ, God sees me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am as righteous, as Paul said, I am as righteous as I'll ever be. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done. You know, and I'm going to move on here. I could walk well, in school. I could go a long time on this, but I know y'all don't want to hear me preaching for three hours. So. Let's try to wrap this thing up because I think there are some incredible, practical, very pragmatic lessons that we find uh, in this passage. I, I call them the enlightenment lessons. I'll leave you with five uh, to take you out of here because you know you need to come to church, but you need to leave different. You need to leave thinking about something, convicted about something, encouraged by something. So I have these five enlightenment lessons, and number one. Friends can move us closer to or further from God. We tell our kids all the time, hey, choose your friends wisely. They'll influence you. Guess what, mom and dad and grandparents, the same is true for you. Fortunately for this blind man, he had friends that brought him closer to Jesus. Just in the quietness of your heart, do a quick inventory of your friends. Now hear me. I'm not saying you shouldn't have lost friends. I think you should. And I think you ought to uh, approach, that, approach that relationship with the sole purpose of trying to see that person come to know Jesus Christ. But there are some friends that you may have. You know what? They're not taking me closer to God. They're moving me further from God. Be careful be careful and on the flip side you become that friend to your friends that you can bring them closer to Jesus and that ought to be the goal of every conversation every time you spend time with someone is hey I want to leave when I leave this talking or leave this time with him I, I want that person to be closer to Jesus than he was when I first started so friends can move us closer to or further from God Second thing is, what we expect God to do is not always what he does. We saw that in this picture, in this passage. Who who would have ever imagined Jesus Christ spitting on the eyes of someone? He doesn't work according to our thoughts. So don't expect Jesus to do what you think he ought to do. Because he does not. But rest assured that what he does will be precisely what we need. And I can stand up here today and give you testimony of that, how God has moved in my life in a way I didn't think was uh, was the way God should move. But it was exactly what I needed. So don't don't get discouraged if God's not answering your prayers the way you think he ought to answer them. He doesn't always do what we expect him to do but he always gives us what we need and thirdly we don't get better we don't get spiritually better at the same rate or in the same way no one sees all of God's truth at once and I want to tell you that in, in, in an encouraging way I see people sometimes and they're new in their faith and they're getting frustrated because they don't understand things. They don't learn, don't, uh, can't explain things. And listen, don't, don't, get, don't get discouraged. You just keep praying. You keep spending time in God's word. He will begin to bring you along and reveal more of himself. And just understand, some people, some people grow faster than others and don't get up, upset about that. But no one sees all God's truth at one time. Listen, I have been faithfully studying God's word, faithfully, diligently, been to seminary for over 25 years. And I can stand here right now and tell you, I I think I'm just on the tip of the iceberg. There's so much I don't understand, so much more for me to learn and grow. That's what's so amazing about this. When you give your life to Christ, that's instant. Spiritual growth and maturity takes time. Also, a test of how well you understand the things of God is in the answer of how you see people. As this man in this passage was touched first time, he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. My question for you is how do you see people? Those people that aren't like you, that don't think like you, that don't act like you, how do you see them? Do you, in a silent way, pass judgment on them? Or do you see them with the eyes of Jesus saying, that is a precious soul that Christ died for? I, I pray and pray that God would give you his eyes so that you can see as Jesus sees. And then finally, Jesus never, ever messes up. I, I'm sure there were some sitting watching this miracle and see Jesus spit on him and, and touch his eyes and then he asked the man can you see and the man says, everything's blurry they're like "Whoa, I guess Jesus messed up let me tell you something he never messes up he never messes up but he does take messed up lives and touches them to make us more like him and I stand here today as I told you he touched me He touched my life and I was never the same. So for you out there that are spiritually blind or if you just need a fresh touch from God, I pray that today will be the day that God touches your life, that God changes your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this incredible message, powerful message of how you moved how you touched a man's life. And Father, I pray that um, as we leave here, Father, we'll leave here reflecting on the things that we've learned today. In our worship folder, there are some questions, very important questions that I pray that we ask ourselves. So Father, I pray, I pray For those of us sitting in this room who has a loved one that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. Oh, Father, I pray you burden our hearts so that we every day we beg and plead for Jesus to touch him or to touch her. You, You can't change anyone. Only Jesus can. And when he touches, it is a life changing touch. This blind man's life was never the same. He was blind, and now he sees. He was confined, and now he's a messenger for Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray. I pray that, uh, Lord, that we will do everything we can to bring friends to Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'll spend time pleading to you. Lord, I I, I pray pray, pray that you'll just use us in a mighty way. People all around us are spiritually blind. The only hope is Jesus. And I pray we'll be that person who's commissioned to go and commissioned to tell the good news that Jesus saves. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, listen, we still got time and that connect room back there.